Hello, this is Lisa LaRose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM, and we are so glad you have joined us. I'm, of course, joined by my co-host today, um, the amazing Michael J. Ross, who inspires me and just is part of my heart. I know we've traveled many lifetimes together, so I'm just going to say welcome, Michael. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Always is. We always have such a great time, and today will be no different. No, you you are absolutely correct. Today will absolutely be no different. And last week we were blessed uh, to have Frankie Love join us here on the show, and it was it was just it was so inspiring to me because as I was doing the write up for the show, I was <laughs> thinking about what her words were for her song "Feels So Real," and how that evolves into really following your heart and following your dreams. And there's a a fantastic quote by uh, David Wilcox, the songwriter, and he says, you know, if your heart is pulling you in a direction that has mystery and wonder, trust it and follow it. And I thought that was so appropriate um, for what what we were planning on on talking about today. And, And really, in the act of self-love, how you really do trust what it is that's inspiring you. And I just wanted to start with the the story, actually. It it began in 1959 with a 30-year-old 8th grade dropout from Detroit who borrowed $800 from his family savings plan to buy a house. And from that house, he had a dream. And it was just a tiny little two-story house, but he had a dream that he would launch his own record company. And that gentleman was Barry Gordy, and he, from that little tiny two-store house, he, I think from 1959 to 1972, he released 535 singles and really grew the career of so many individuals. And it was such a, a beautiful thing because at, at that time, I think, you know, for him to have a dream of having his own label, um, he really made things possible for people like Smokey Robinson and the Miracles and Diana Ross and so many people that were mm-hmm. influences in my life um, growing up. And, and he just really, I think everybody that connected with him saw that vision and they saw that spirit within him. And I think that's what that's what self-love is all about. It doesn't matter what your beginnings are, how humble they are. If you have a dream and a passion, uh, follow it. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Michael, um, because you've been you've been bubbling on this topic for a while. Yeah, um, I love that your dreams and, and your passions. Uh, these everybody has gifts and uh, talents unique to them. And I've always found that when you pursue those dreams, passions, gifts, talents that you have uh, you have for yourself, you are not only happy, you're fulfilled, you have enthusiasm, you have a passion for life, and they one of the byproducts is love of your, for yourself. You're loving yourself uh, by per- pursuing those. Uh, gifts, passions, dreams, and uh, and talents, and you know it when you're not. This is this is this is the real the real interesting thing. You know it when you've gotten off track. Uh, if mm-hmm. if I haven't played the drums for a while, I've got 
probably five different things that I can do. If I play golf once a week, I know I'm I'm basically nurturing one of my gifts, and I can let the drums go for a while, as they have uh, for the last three or four months. I haven't really played, but I've played more golf. Uh, and the other thing is travel. I love I love to travel. Love to meet, uh, travel to new places, meet new people, uh, make re. re you know, relational connections that uh, have the potential to last a lifetime. That, to me, is just awesome because I am technically an influencer as a personality type, uh, and that is something that uh, I have come to terms with, and I use it for good because an influencer can be somebody who uh, spreads thought viruses too. Uh, You have to be very careful. You have to honor yourself and uh, honor other people by making sure that when you do have the power to influence, that you that you uh, do it from love and kindness and compassion and empathy. And as long as you do that, everything is cool. You're feeling good about yourself. You're helping someone else. And being of service to other people is is uh, one of the other ways that you can uh, stoke self-love as well, because you feel absolutely awesome when you help another person in whatever way uh, that you do. So for me. Uh, I've always found the energy and the enthusiasm and the excitement and the self-love that builds from uh, from the things that I know I'm gifted with. Uh, and mm-hmm. I love I produce another podcast as well as this one and, and the radio show that we do here. And and I love it. It's 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 something that I look forward to. And it's all tied to one of the other things that it's tied to as well is hope. Hope and optimism. When you are pursuing your dreams, your passions, gifts, and talents, you're, you actually have a lot more hope, and you're much more optimistic. Hope about yourself, hope about your life. Uh, when you're not, you're kind of struggling with a lot of lower frequencies. You maybe feel a little bit off uh, with no direction. Uh, and as long as you tap into your gifts and passions and, and you're, you have a dream for yourself, something that you imagine for yourself, you, you have uh, some direction, something to get up in the morning and, and, and look forward to, be hopeful about. And it, one of the byproducts of this is that when you do take this tack and you, you pursue these and you feel this love you have for yourself and the enthusiasm and the passion for life, guess what? You're not going to be disrupted by things as you would, and you're not going to be swayed, or you're not going to you're going to be less controlled by other people and events and circumstances that that uh, you encounter in your life. And this is really, really important because the the person who resonates at lower frequencies, who's out of balance, is more susceptible to suggestion, to thought viruses. That is that is uh, an amazing revelation that I had by listening to someone the other other day. I didn't really, it, it, I'd probably said it a different way in, in my audiobooks and talks in the past. However, that was a, a more simpler, more straightforward way of, of, of saying it. When you, when you are out of sorts, when you're uh, in resonating with lower frequencies of fear and worry and frustration, you're in a fight and struggle state, you are going to be more susceptible to other people's negative suggestions. There, you're going to be more controllable by other people. And you can get off track. Your energies can get off track. You can get off track. And everybody's, everybody's got a purpose here. 
my joy every day is in continually discovering what that purpose is. It's really a lot of fun. And I can't tell you right now exactly what it is. I just know that I do a lot of things and they act like building blocks. And they're all leading to somewhere. There's the serendipity when you have this thought, this, this in, something you imagine, and all of a sudden it, something manifests that can help stoke that thought you had, that, imagine, that what you imagined for yourself. And uh, either a phone call or uh, something we talk about in this podcast or something that you come across on YouTube or one of the other social media services that you subscribe to is so fun when you get these little synchronicities, you know, mm-hmm. these, these moments of serendipity. It's so much fun, so much fun. So I, that's, that's pretty much where I roll with this thing. It, it, uh, it, I have a lot of self-love. And I, I, I thought about when we started talking about this topic, I, I kind of went back in my mind to discover whether or not I'd had any moments of uh, where I was unsure about myself. And I don't think there was ever a time when I didn't have love for myself. However, there were times where I was probably not as confident because every, I put myself out there a lot. I put myself out there and I take risk. Uh, and when you do that, you're always stepping into unknown territory. So mm-hmm. there can always be these, these uh, thoughts of, well, am I doing the right thing? You know, let's just, let's just go with this. There's always that quagmire that you maybe kind of step into and your footing is a little unsure and, uh, you know, you're, you're like, should I go for it? And then you just, you just dive in. It's okay, that's it. I just dive into it. And when I do that, it always works out. It may not work out exactly as I planned it to work out. However, it works out and I learn something from it. And in, in whether I pursue it for a year or two or four or whatever it is, it, uh, as in the past businesses that I've had, I've had a lot of fun. I've met great people. I've learned a lot. And everything's, again, a building block to where I am today. And so I'm incredibly grateful for, uh, for what I've been exposed to and the, and the risks that I've taken, the cliffs I've jumped off of. And there's always been a parachute, thank goodness. <laughs> for mm-hmm. me to open up and and I have a soft a soft landing and I just keep moving. You know, you do. it's uh yeah, you do. You do. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, you it's do. fun. So what yeah, about and, you? And I uh, well I was going to say Michael, I think for you one of the and I try to do the same is every day you try to be the best version of yourself, whatever that is. I mean, yeah. I, I can only mm-hmm. do my best. And if I truly mm-hmm. know in my heart, you know, sitting in front of the TV and and whatever, not doing the things that I envision for myself, whether it be writing or drawing or whatever it is, is not doing being the best version of myself. You know, so if I don't put in the time, and and as you were speaking, Michael, it took me back to I I was thinking about how everything in our lives unfolds per- perfectly, no matter what it is, and. Sometimes uh, there's things or people in our lives that really don't want to see us successful. I don't know what that that is all about, but maybe it's the fear that they're going to be left behind. Um, and and I always have said, you know, you can't want something more for somebody than you want uh, than they want for themselves. But the same thing mm-hmm. applies to you. It applies to me. And I think back to when I first 
you know, after I got done with college and the first job that I have, and I had started out doing some freelance, and when they hired me, I said, you know, I do this freelance design. But the interesting thing was I didn't even own a computer. So I would go at the time it was FedEx office, and I would work all day. And then I would I had a second job, and I would work at that job, and then I'd work at my house. And then after midnight, Kinko's had uh, 50% off computer use. So it was affordable for me. <laughs> and I would go and I would work on my design projects until whatever time and then I would go home and sleep for a little bit and then I would go to work. And I did that until I could afford a computer. And uh, that was really, you know, afford a printer, whatever it was. I, there were no mm-hmm. obstacles in, in that. And then I got to the point where I was making more in my freelance than I was at my job nine to five and I knew it was time to part ways and really mm-hmm. do something something different. It was it was scary. You know, the first year I only made sixteen thousand dollars. It's not a lot when you own a house and you're trying to make and back then it was maybe a little bit more, but it's still it wasn't a lot with everything. But somehow I just had faith and I knew that as I was working and, and the next year it was a lot more than that and it continued to grow. And I always I always did try to do my best, no matter what it was. And and mm-hmm. and things came up and you know, life just happened. But I think that when you do you you have this sort of as you said, sort of synchronicities. You meet the people that you're supposed to meet. One of the the gentlemen who worked at at Kinko's late night became one of my dearest friends because I was like, hey, hey, Rob, you know, like uh, he would see me and then we would talk. And and I remember him. He didn't even own a car at that time. You know, he rode everywhere with a bike and and we we became friends. And I actually, through one of my clients, helped him get his first design job uh, with one of the television Hmm. stations. And now he works and does all kinds of beautiful things out in, in California. And it's just, but we've always kept in touch. And it's, it, you know, it, it was a blessing. So me not having a, com- a computer at the time or having a printer and all those other things, it wasn't an obstacle for me. And and I knew that, and, and did I have a, the desire to own my, I can't say that I thought when I was doing that, um, it was with the thought, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to do this and I'm going to achieve all these things. I didn't really have that in mind. I just sort of went with the flow and, and I allowed whatever came in to come in. But I knew that someday that I wanted to do other things and to have that freedom. And, and that's what owning a business and being an entrepreneur meant to me. And and you sort of have evolved that way as well. Um from where you started yeah. and what you grew, and and then, and, and being an entrepreneur is not always easy. You know, you're constantly mm-hmm. um, having to do. I think you sort of do unconscious goal setting in in a way. Um, you know where you yeah. want to be, and and you move towards that. I, I'd love to hear what you think and uh, what where that thought brings you. Wow, uh, as far as goals, I always have a vision of, of where I want to be uh, at the end of every month. And I kind of pursue the building blocks on a daily basis, kind of work on the macro. The, micro, the, the macro would be the, uh, the goal itself, the, what I envision for myself, and then 
Um, there's different levels of some courses. There's a longer term, you know, the dream, the goal. There's uh, there's one for day in and day out. And I and I kind of stick to it and kind of float through it. Um, set a monthly goal, and then day to day, I wake up uh, positive, believing not only that it will happen. I don't know how. I'm, I wake up excited about how it will happen, about what I will encounter that day uh, that can help me move forward. And I just have this mm-hmm. unshakable belief, an unshakable belief that it's it's all gonna it's all gonna work through. Um, mm-hmm. If I have uh, a doubt that creeps into my mind, mind, it's quickly squashed by I've got this. You know, my own self talk is incredibly strong, and it and it was, it's it's because I I recognized 38 years ago that my self-talk was one of the things that I was deficient in. I had too many doubts. My self-talk was was reinforcing too many doubts. Uh, it was incongruent with where I saw myself going long-term, so I had to re, re-do it, so to speak. I had to turn around mm-hmm. and and, uh, and change it. And that's, you know, you get these little realizations in life. Um, however, I can tell you that for me, day to day, I just kind of float through, and I let the day unfold. Uh, forcing it is not something that you can do. You 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 put in the time. You you uh, uh, put one foot in front of the other, and you have have to have this supreme hope that it will all work out, uh, a knowingness that it will all work out and an optimism and enthusiasm that what what you imagine or what you dream about will occur. And uh, mm-hmm. that is one of the major keys. And that's the, also the thing that trips most people up. Um, somebody says something, somebody does something in you, all of a sudden a little doubt, doubt creeps in. And you don't know, the thing, I, I, if I could tell our listeners one thing, when people say things to you about, your intentions or your dreams or your goals, if you've shared them with them out of enthusiasm and integrity and self-love and somebody says something that is kind of incongruent with the enthusiasm and passion you have and drive you have for moving forward, your energy, you have to take it with a grain of salt. They don't know you. They don't know your they – they're not intimate to – the level of energy and presence that you're putting forth, the level of love you have for yourself and the commitment and the passion you have. They're not really privy to that. All they know is the, in other words, we put it another way, they see the book cover, but they don't open a book. They don't know what's in the book. You're giving them the book cover, the, the, the jacket, okay? But they don't know what's going on inside. The, the, the 300 pages that are inside are for you to create. Everyone is blank. And it has it has a beginning, a middle, and sometimes it'll never have an ending. <laughs> you know, it'll it'll keep moving forward and keep evolving into something else. So one book becomes a very 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 long. It becomes a Moby Dick, you know, thousand pages. Um, and you you the beauty of it is that you just kind of you 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 get into a, you get into your boat. You've got your hand on the rudder. You you know you want to go north, and you go north, and you every step of the way, kind of look at how the waves are going. And you might have to, you know, tack left. You might have to tack right or you stay exactly where you are. However, your hand's on the rudder. You have a dream. You have an idea. You want to be there, right? And you know the direction that you need to move in. 
And we have to allow uh, ourselves to be flexible and agile and, uh, uh, in, in, our, in our thinking. However, we have to really, really, really be careful about who it is we expose our dreams and goals and intentions to. Even mm-hmm. somebody who's as close to us, somebody we really care about, that we really love, our parents, our friends, our best friend from whatever, um, elementary school or your, uh, your brother or your sister, you've got to hold your dreams, your goals, your intentions close to the vest because other people have a different idea, especially those really close to you, of what you should be doing, mm-hmm. right? Now, I heard somebody the other day, wow, who was this? Um, most actors have this. This was, a, this was a, a, a Chinese actress who wanted to, she knew she wanted to be an actress. Now, she was you know, going for some business degree uh, and, uh, or, or something along those lines. I don't, know, don't remember particularly what it was, but she was, it was one of these professions that was you know, accounting or this or that, something that uh, had uh, high revenue potential and uh, it was well-respected by the world, okay, people in the world. And most parents don't see acting as a stable or music as a stable thing to do. Right. It's right. it's fraught mm-hmm. with uh, um, failure and mistakes, which parents do not want to see their kids fail or have any mistakes. It's just I mean, that's just innate mm-hmm. to being a parent. So you have to be very, very careful and have developed this very unshakable uh, and uh, an unshakable passion and drive for what you want to do. I was lucky. My brother was lucky. My brother's an actor, been an actor since 1981. And when he graduated from high school, he told my mom and dad he wanted to go into theater because he had done like three plays, four plays in high school. And he said, this is what I want to do. I want to go into theater. And uh, my mother and father figured out a way to, they, they paid for him to go to a private, a private school a private college, wow, St. Ed's University awesome. in Austin, Texas. Yeah, St. Ed's University in Austin, Texas is a, is a, is a theatrical university. That's, their, that's what they do. They teach you everything about theater and directing and stage production and stage building and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, my brother was down there and, you know, in the thick of it, loving it. He had a great roommate. His roommate now, uh, his roommate from then became an actor as well uh, and uh, a great uh, co-star and a star in his own right and in various things. And, um, and uh, so, uh, and his other best friend from down there was a, is now a university, is a, a tenured professor at Northridge State University, uh, a film professor. And he is, he's, he's brilliant. Uh, he went on to get his master's. My brother was about six months from getting his master's and he said, what the heck am I doing? You don't need a master's. Yeah. To, to, to be an actor. All you need to do is go do it, right? He had the degree. He had a Bachelor of Arts so he could teach. He got a teaching credential, so if he needed to fall back on, he could go teach and, and inspire young people. Fine, except for the fact that, you know, he wanted to be an actor in Hollywood. And he went to, uh, he left Illinois State University, came to Sacramento where my mother lives. He, he, he hung out with her. Uh, for a while, got his own apartment, got a job, and some other things, but he wasn't acting. This was in 1980. He spent a year there. We played music together and all that, and all of a sudden, he said, you know what? I'm not not doing what I want to do. 
yeah, I like playing music. I've been doing it all my life, but I want to be an actor. And if I, and only, the only place to do, the only place you can do that is in Hollywood. You have to go down to L.A. I got to move to L.A. And my mother said, okay, that's what you want to do. I believe in you. I'm going to pay your rent for two years. Wow, I'm going to pay your incredible. rent for two years. Yeah, and you cannot have to worry about whether or not he had an old, he had a car, right? He you know bought him a, a an old two door whatever he. So you got a car. You won't have to worry about paying your rent or your utilities for a year. And just get yourself a studio or something like He moved down into the uh, what used to be what was a highbrow place, and it came, became seedier, and then it came highbrow again uh, over time. But uh, he found this old 1900s apartment building with a studio in it. I, I think it was about the size of a cracker box. Um, and it had a, yeah, I'm serious. It had a fold-out, it had a fold-out, uh, a, a twin Murphy bed. That's, when I talk about studio, I'm talking studio, right? It had a mm-hmm. kitchen, it had a bathroom, it had a fold-down uh, uh, <laughs> Murphy bed, a studio size, I mean a, a, a single size, twin size Murphy bed. And uh, I know because I went down and I stayed with him, I slept on his couch and uh, <laughs> when I went to visit him. But long story short, because we don't have a lot of time for this, but I simply want to say, that he started in 1981, and my mother did not have to pay his rent past a year and a half because oh. uh, he, he got an agent, uh, he got a job, he got an agent. And my brother's, when I talk about high integrity, my brother is somebody of very high integrity. Uh, my brother's been working since 1981 in the business. The first, um, the first agent that took him on he still pays today, even though he hasn't been with her in 25 years. He still pays her her, her 10% of everything he makes because it, and he, it's just, it's, it almost makes me cry thinking about it because he's so absolutely, he, he's so grateful. It is so challenging to get an agent in Hollywood, and she, she took him on. And helped him get his first jobs. And from that, he was able to get a better agent who gave him, who gave him, who got him bigger jobs. And he's still with that agency today, but he never stopped paying her cut. And I just like, I'm wow. like, dang, I just want to hug you, man. You're just so amazing. You know, how, how many people would say, ah, that's it, I, you know, I'd do with you. But he, you know, never forget where you come from. The people mm-hmm. who help you along the way to achieve great success and he has had great success, awesome success in the Star Trek series and, and uh, in other starring, uh, co-starring roles and other things. And it's like you, you have to remember where you, where you come from. And his self-love is great. He always believed in himself, still does. And in, uh, as an actor, it's one, of those, it's, it's one of those professions that the average person would never survive in because it's the only profession where they can look you in the eye and say, you're not right for this. You don't have this look. You, you get the wrong hair. You got the wrong eyes. You got the wrong mm-hmm. physique. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too this. They literally tell you this. You know? it, it, they, can, they can actually do that. You cannot, you, you cannot have any employer in any corporation say that to you. You're the wrong color. You're, your skin's too dark. No, your skin's too light. No, we were looking for somebody white for this role. No, we were looking for somebody. We're not looking for a female for this role. You know, I mean, literally, you're, they're telling you exactly why you don't get the role. And it's like, you've got to, like, hammer through that, you know. 
It's it's you've mm-hmm. got to have a lot of a lot of stick to itiveness as they called it. You have to really believe in yourself and that you can do um, do that you will succeed. Your self talk has to be so strong it's bulletproof. Mm-hmm. That basically like it, it acts as a as a suit of armor. And your self love has to be so your level of self love has to be so high. It's in the it's in the ninety high nineties because everybody's going to tell you you're never going to succeed and you have to. And so I, I use this as an example because it's probably the the it's it's in the uh, peripheral of what most people will actually face in their lives. And you you've got people who go on social media today, kids that go on social media and young people that that can't take somebody saying something negative about them. I'm going you have to develop a good sense of self here. And how do you do that? How do you develop a good sense of self? Going out and taking some risks, figuring out what you're good at. Dreams. What dream big? What what dreams do you have for yourself? And if you've got none of that, then you're going to be in that boat, on the water, no hand on the the rudder, floating around wherever the wind pushes you. And that's no way to live because you're really never accomplished anything, and you're really never, you know, you're not going to be able to. Um, you're going to be actually. You're going to have all the negativity thrust at you. All the waves will be coming at you, and and likely your boat will become overturned. And you'll be sitting there dog paddling. So it's one of these things that, you know, self-love is so important. It, it goes with self-confidence. And if you could do nothing else, I, I think in my first book, what was the book? No, no, it was my, uh, my third, third or fourth book I, I wrote called uh, Smart College Career Moves. I was doing, I wrote a book for an audio book and an e-book for, uh, for youth who were in college about what they should be doing in the four years that they were there. Uh, to forward themselves in whatever career path that they were um, they were interested in, and so that by the time they graduated, they'd actually have experience and other things to be able to get a job. And I said earlier, I said, you know, one of the things you need to do is make sure that you that you uh, take risks and see if whatever it is you're interested in resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Don't go through four years of schooling or training and only to find out that you really don't have a knack for it. Or if somebody else told you, hey, you need to do this. Your parents said, you need to do this. You're going to be this. You're going to do that. And you don't go off and, and, and pursue your own dreams and intentions that are in an alignment with your own uh, talents and gifts. You're going to be stuck being very unhappy because your life is incongruent with your thinking and what you perceive for yourself. And nobody wants to be in that position, but literally I'd say hundreds of thousands of kids are in that position. And by the way, I should tell you this. When I went to college, from the moment I got in to the moment I got out, I had no idea what it exactly was I wanted to do. <laughs> and I walked out of college in two or three quarter years. I said, oh, okay, I'm done with this. I, I'm, I got a business, so I'm going to keep running that business. However, I had no, I had no idea. So I'm so grateful that I know you and you're blessed how, how blessed you are to know that you have that you pursued the art that you, you were gifted with well, well, your abilities you. as an artist yeah you really know, what it's, I, it's I find so fascinating what you're you're speaking about Michael and and I think it it goes right back to what we were speaking about with with Frankie last week is that um, there is something that the heart knows 
and as the heart you trust that inner knowing and you really follow that heart we can actually have soul goals things that um i don't know True. if you want to call it something oh, yeah. that we came here to do we just sort of mm-hmm. feel that's right and you have to know that and it it doesn't matter who has damaged your self-worth whatever it is whether it was somebody took you into a place of fear and, and the, this morning um it popped up in my feed and it was a video by michael beckwith and he was he was speaking about fear and actually transmuting it into excitement and enthusiasm and how you do mm-hmm. that and and i didn't actually even watch the whole video but i saw his question he said comment on how how you look at fear and is it your motivator or do you still have more work to do and my answer and i don't normally comment on videos but something in my heart said you know that i i wrote i see fear as an illusion that keeps us stuck in a loop i hold true, the truth true. that love can conquer all things when you drop into the field of the heart and breathe and put your hand on your heart and take several deep breaths fear dissolves the body does not allow for gratitude and love to exist in harmony with fear when you start to see it as an illusion it loses its power and then i and and it was interesting because somebody commented and they said on my comment and and it was so fascinating because i wasn't expecting even anybody to, <laughs> to comment to me but they said wow love your breakdown and i thought wow that is a breakdown <laughs> like i guess but it it, it for me and it, it's just a part of me i i just i listen to all of these different individuals who have told me why i haven't been you know why i can't do something and and if anything it just makes me dig my heels in more right. and figure right. out a way that i can make it happen even mm-hmm. if it's jimmy jack and stuff you know i <laughs> sure i just i love that that terminology michael and but it it is i i, I will figure out a way i don't know how it's going to happen and sometimes i've i've never let finances or uh perceived uh not knowing how to do something if if i don't know how to do something uh i will find a class i will find a mentor i will find somebody or something that will help me achieve what it is that i want to do it may not look great you know when i'm done the first time that i do it but guess what the second time i do it it's going to get a little bit better and a little bit better until i i do perfect it and maybe it's not even perfected maybe it's just refine it into a place that i find acceptable for me um because probably that's that's, that's really what it is something that i'm pleased with and and mm-hmm. i think that that was you know when you go to a museum and we're really blessed here in pittsburgh we have a beautiful museum and i've been able to travel to museums all over the world and you see mm-hmm. these paintings and books or these sculptures and I, I you know I'm always so blown away but then when you see them close up you realize nothing's perfect not one of these artists not any of the masterpieces there's all something that if if I wanted to pick it apart I could find flaws in but rather than that I like <laughs> to, to stand away from it and absorb uh-huh. it as the piece of beauty and art that it is I mean if yeah. and, well, and you know traveling to florence and seeing michelangelo what he could craft out of a slab of marble just blows me away mm-hmm. 
yeah. But I think yeah. it's a great metaphor yeah. for each one of us. I mean, we are, we all sort of come into this world with with this as this sort of unfinished blob of whatever. And and as you break away the layers and you chip away and and you polish and you you know you know these other things sort of fall away. That's who you become. You become this amazing thing of beauty. And I know you have a, a love of art, and and you have a desire to sculpt, and and I'm sure that there's mm-hmm. a reason that that's calling to you, because that's what oh, you yeah. you've actually sort of in metaphorically done that in other ways. True, and I think in another life I was a sculptor. <laughs> I know I was a musician in another life, but uh, I love what you're saying uh, about about you know your the way you embrace art and the creativity. What most people don't know uh, is that a lot of the works of the old masters that we regard today that sell for hundreds of millions of dollars have been, uh, have been x-rayed. And they've found that because these artists were so starving when they did these, the, 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 their art, when they're doing their art, that uh, they often painted over uh, pieces a couple of times. That they had mm-hmm. drawings and sketches. There's something completely different. When they x-ray it, they see something completely different underneath than what was on top. Or they see the renderings of, oh, you know, look how they changed this or changed that. And sometimes the colors are uh, on, on the palette are um, that way because of an earlier version of what they imagined for themselves in terms of imagine for that piece. And uh, I, 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 I'm always blown away by that. I saw, that, I saw the Piata... I walked around the Piata, um, and I and I could have actually touched it uh, in the uh, Sistine in the Sistine Chapel, not Sistine Chapel uh, at the Vatican. Uh, mm-hmm. In uh, I I could have I could have touched it in 1970, and by 72 it was behind. behind. Glass, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. 1972, a man with a hammer, uh, kind of deranged, knocked the finger off with a hammer, and they put it behind 50 feet behind three-foot-thick bulletproof glass. I mean, this thing is so far back. You're looking at this going, oh, my gosh, that, there it is, Michelangelo. Yeah, wow. Um, this, I also saw the Sistine Chapel's uh, ceiling um, before it was restored and after it was restored, uh, mm. going back to the Vatican twice and in, in a couple of different decades. You know, 50 years later, I went back to see it again, and, and it, what a revelation it, uh, it actually was. Um, you walk into, you develop a, an appreciation for things when you uh, expose yourself to them. Travel is something that, in the United States at least, in the USA, we have, it's a challenge. Tra- international travel to see the things that you read about in books, that's a challenge. You've got to go across an ocean, and it's, it's expensive, and it takes a lot of planning, and a lot of people don't have the resources to do it. However, you can do what you did. You can go to a museum when exhibits come to town, and you can see things. And you can expose yourself to uh, the beauty that is uh, that is art. Every time I go to New York City uh, with with Sandy, we go we go to the Met, and we see all mm-hmm. the, new, the exhibits they have in there uh, that that quarter. Uh, and it's so beautiful, you know, when you can get to see uh, uh, the the impressionists from France that when they made those that art, they were starving. They were practically homeless. They all cor- congregated in the same bar and restaurant and, and uh, lived off of whatever they could <laughs> scrape up. You know, I mean, and look at these things. So, these, these people were brilliant. They pursued their passion. And um, 
it, they had some of them had benefactors and others didn't, and some of them literally went were crazy. Uh, and you know, so it, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, and, I, and something came to mind where you were talking about fear. Fear, yes, is an illusion. And I find though, with the other way that you can conquer fear is through enlightenment. You can mm-hmm. conquer fears through enlightenment. You can also develop more self-confidence and self-love through enlightenment. Um, one of the things that uh, I've found in, in – go ahead. I was just going to ask you, can you define that maybe for our audience members that may not yeah. be familiar with what, what enlightenment means or what it means to you? It's just it's a, uh, gaining more knowledge. Enlightenment, enlightenment is simply seeking more knowledge. Um, you're you're uh, seeking enlightenment. You're seeking uh, greater truth. You're seeking. Um, you're you're basically gaining information that can help you reason through something. Because fear mm-hmm. being an illusion, it's it's just a reaction to the to the unknown, and it's 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 doubts. It's oh, I'm afraid to go there because I don't know anything about it. Well, enlightenment, learning. You can learn something about it. You can talk to people who have already done it and who've walked the walk, and you can get their take on, um, on how it feels, what they did, how they feel now about what they did, do they like it, what do they love about it, what do they not like about it. You can actually talk to people, and, and that reduces the, the level of fear that you have. It can completely eliminate it. It can totally eliminate it. So this is one of the things that, um, that I, I, I share with people is that, you know, risk, you can, you can fear risk. You can fear stepping off the cliff, but you can also gather all the information you need to quell that fear so that you're more comfortable stepping off the cliff and doing something, stepping outside of your comfort zone, stepping into an arena that is completely, that, that used to be unknown to you, but known to you now through your own enlightenment, through enlightening yourself uh, as to what goes on with it. And uh, I, I know when I got into uh, my very first business, it was I was I was a mobile DJ back in before the the it was just at the the, the beginning of the rise of the disco era in 1976, and uh, I was offered I went to San Jose State I saw an ad in the paper I was looking through says yeah I could do something on the weekends you know to make a little extra money don't want my parents to have to you know, give me a, 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 a uh, they already paid for the schooling and I, and I was living in the dorms and I had three squares a day except on weekends. And I said, you know, I want to do something. So I started looking in the paper and I saw this ad. Guy says, uh, I need a mobile DJ. And I said, hmm, never done that before, but it has to do with music. Hey, I'm going to call this guy up. So I called him up and he says, hey, I got a gig tomorrow. <laughs> I'll give you everything you need. <laughs> Great. Oh yeah, I got a gig that's tomorrow. That's a leap of yeah. faith. That, that's awesome, yeah. Michael. That's great. Yeah, he he was he was one guy that needed several other guys. He had he had the, the equipment to do three jobs at once, but it was only one of him. So I went over to his place and I said uh, I, I met him, and I didn't know him from Adam, but I had a good vibe about him. He was an old hippie guy, not old in the sense of like old old in the fifties. He was in his he was in his uh, I'd say he was in his his mid thirties, and he was a hippie. He was from the hippie era, right from the sixties, and he was very loose, very calm, very loving, very he had a lot of integrity. 
I could just sense, my intuition told me this is an honest guy, and what he's talking about is a real thing. He shows me the stuff. He says, I'll get you, I'll go over, I'll get you set up. I'll get you, I got your records, I got everything else here. I'll show you how to use the equipment, which is wasn't that difficult. And I did the gig. Boy, I had so much fun. In six months, I went home to my mother and I said, hey, I need a loan. <laughs> I, need a, I need a loan for some equipment. I need a loan for some equipment, and I need, I need a van. I need to buy a, buy a van. They're going, what for? That's doing this thing, man. I can do this deal. And I, I was so enthusiastic about it. I had, I had a private party business until 1980. I had it for four years. I made like 13 okay. grand a year oh, working weekends. Wow. In the 70s, $13,000 a year was a lot of money. I went to Hawaii like twice a year. I was like, I was having so much fun. It was insane. And it's all because I decided to just, follow my gut and my heart and say, right. oh, let's go do this. This is something different. There was a curiosity, and I went, right? You know, oh, yeah. Something I, still that have, you I still have all the records. Yeah, I still have all the records. I never sold the records. <laughs> That's awesome. I have yeah. them all. Wow. And, uh, and, <laughs> so I'm going, I'm not getting rid of these things. This music is awesome. You know, back in the day, you know, these are all extended play records and the kind of stuff that DJs only got in, in, or radio stations or whatever. But uh, mm -hmm. I learned how to mix music and how to do all the tricks of mixing music. And it was so much fun. Now, now, th let me tell you the greatest thing. I know thing who about. to invite to my next party now. <laughs> Get you the greatest thing I loved about it was the way you connected with people. The connection with people. It was, mm -hmm. it, was, it, it was in line with with what I with one of my gifts, connecting with people. And that's mm -hmm. why I had so much fun doing it. You know, if 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 you had told me, well, you're gonna be up doing this, you're never gonna meet anybody or whatever, it wouldn't be as much fun. Um, but it led to another job in another club, uh, where I had a, a permanent Saturday night gig for about two years and uh where I was actually in a club spinning records and it was it was a lot of fun. I still had my private party job. But it was a lot of fun and I made I made good friends Good. I was going to say, Michael, you know it's so interesting, and, and I just am looking at the mastery in how that unfolded for you. You were working this vibration and frequency without even recognizing it and saying, oh, that's my goal. I want to I want to work with transmutation and alchemy and frequency and vibration. You were doing it. You yeah. were doing it. Yeah. And, and I understood how. with people uh, on uh -huh. a heart level, on, on so many, exactly. changing people's vibrations. That's fantastic. Yeah, alchemy. Music, music is alchemy. The, 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 if everything is frequency, music is the ultimate expression of frequency because we can hear it. And you can also feel it. And so it, it's, it's, it's alchemy because it, music can change the way you feel in a heartbeat. And mm -hmm. that is, that's alchemy, changing how you feel, transmuting whatever feelings you have. And uh, you can ask just about anybody, uh, what song was playing in the era when, you know, when, when the time that you broke up with so-and-so? I'll maybe tell you exactly almost what the song is. Because oh. you know, music has a way mm -hmm. of resonating with you to the point where it, it's deep, it gets into your heart and your soul, and uh, it, it is pretty amazing. I hear stuff on the radio all the time, and I'm going, I know exactly where I was when that song was hit. What I was doing, where I was, who I was with <laughs> in the world, wherever that was. You know, it, it's just amazing how, how mm -hmm. that can be the case. So it's, you know, the whole, the whole concept that we're talking about here in terms of, of loving yourself and giving your chance to love yourself, I want to say one other real quick thing, and that is that your soul's goals that you were talking about, what your gifts and talents are, or where you should go, or how you should get there, 
as uh, I read something in, uh, in, in, I was going through the Rumi quotes uh, here uh, earlier this morning, and there was a quote that was, I, 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 had, I put it away, so I'm not going to be able to find it, but I'll, I'll attempt to find it for the next show. But the, it isn't as important as the fact that he was talking about the only way that you're going to get in touch with your heart is to get quiet. The only way, because there's so much noise out there, outside of you, that mm-hmm. when you want to get in touch, when you want to really get in touch with who you are or what you should do or whether something's right for you, you have to get quiet. You have to train yourself to just sit down and block out the noise. And however you do that, whether you put earbuds in and listen to some, some uh, soothing uh, sounds, uh, whether you listen to a, a rainscape, hardscape, whatever it is, um, or, or um, go someplace in particular where you go into the forest, if you have that ability, sit in your backyard, whatever, you've got to get quiet. You have to be able to, to calm your mind so that, all, so that your higher self can connect with you. It's probably the easiest way to, to put it. Um, you have a higher self that is, is, is all-knowing, and I call it, the other 90% of your soul. And I was told once that only 10% of your soul is, in, is incarnated with you and the other 90% sits back there. And uh, that, that's one of those things that you, uh, uh, you know, you just, you just have to connect with yourself. It's the only thing you can do. You've got to connect with yourself. And if you do, amazing things will happen if you teach yourself to do that. You need to get quiet for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, it's it's uh, it's worth its weight in gold for you with regard to self love, because the other thing you can use it for is to calm your mind and, and achieve a little bit more balance and harmony when you feel out of sorts, when you when when you're when you're taking when you're believing the noise, and it's creating fear, lower frequencies, worry and frustration and anxiety. You can get quiet and center yourself and focus on your heart. And that helps you calm down and retool your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Not woo woo. Believe me, it's it's there. It's 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 definitely there. Uh, it is something that uh, that you. It's a real thing. Um, it, it's just a real thing, and I love it. And I know you do too. And as busy yeah. as your life is. <laughs> Yeah, no, and and I think too, Michael, when you sort of make peace with your imperfections, whatever they may be, and you sit with that, and and you transmute it, and and you instead of seeing the imperfection, see the magnificence, and the and see the perfection in in yourself, and and I know that it's mm-hmm. difficult for a lot of people. They've they've been fed something uh, a different diet than I have of self-talk as, as you as you so eloquently put I I believe that you know I was very blessed um, I had parents that really saw me as this amazing butterfly that could fly and be free and do whatever I, I wanted to set my mind to it and so I never I never had that um, discouragement the discouragement came from other people, but I never owned it. I never owned it. I never claimed it as my own. Uh, it and it doesn't mean that that certain words that people said to me didn't hurt me, but I didn't. I didn't own them. I didn't embody them. And 
I think that's really where we're we're trying to encourage everybody to sort of understand that how you perceive your life is up to you. That you go into your heart, you know, you think about what it means to you to be a soul, the things that you want, the things that are important to you, and then that's what you what you go for. Uh, I mean, I think that. Feelings are, are magnetic, so if you have a feeling that's the opposite of positive, then transmute it. Start by right. taking that feeling and choosing another word. And if it's anger, then say, well, you know, maybe it's not really anger, maybe it's frustration, and why am I frustrated, and why am I allowing this? This is not happening to me. I am going to uh, let that go, and what feels better than that? And, and even with fear. And I, I just, I won't allow it. I, I had a discomfort of heights. I never really liked them. And so what did I do? I started climbing. And then the next thing you know, I'm up on the top of the Flatirons in <laughs> Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> 500, you know, it's a five-pitch climb, 500 feet up, hanging from this side of a mountain. And then I got to the top, and then I looked down, and, and uh, it, it changed that for me. It, well, that's it, awesome because I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy that you overcame your fear, but, uh, you know, I, I see people doing certain things. You know, I'm not going to be walking across a girder at 100 feet in the air. That's uh, not going to happen. Yeah, uh, no, however, it, it, it is interesting, though, when you talk about heights, okay, uh, I get sort of a vertigo thing. I recognized it mm-hmm. back in when I was in Colorado when we went to the Royal Gorge. Uh, and when I was a kid, I was about, uh, I was, I was nine, uh, 10 years old. We went to the Royal Gorge. <clears throat> and uh, if anybody's, if, for those of you who are listening, the Royal Gorge is a 1,000-plus foot gorge that uh, seems to have been cut like with a laser. It's sheer down, sheer walls, worn by water over millions and millions of years. <clears throat> and uh, it's a beautiful place. However, when I went up to uh, our family with the visitors, I said, yeah, come take a look at the Royal Gorge. And I, I approached this gorge, and I got this real, real strange feeling in the pit of my stomach. The closer I got to it, the greater the, the feeling in the pit of my stomach became. And I'm like, oh, no. And I got up to the edge of it, uh, almost to the edge of it, and I felt almost like I wanted to jump over. That That's kind of the... The, the feeling that I got, the an uneasiness about it. And uh, so I, I kind of you know, like one inch at a time, one inch. Until the, the, and every inch, if I took some deep breaths and I went an inch and I, I got used to it, I got used to it and I got used to it, I could actually get to the edge after about 15 minutes, <laughs> you know. And I realize now, even when I stay in high, high hotel rooms on high floors, uh, when you walk to the edge of the big plate glass window and you look over, it's like, I get that feeling. But I, it goes away the more I am in the room, the more I'm in that position. It goes away. And then I can walk up but, to it and, and kind of look over. That's a great metaphor, though, because I think about that in, in life. If somebody has a task or something that they are uh, fearful of, and it's just taking that step by step and don't beat yourself up that you can't just go to the to the answer. You know, I had a fear of the telephone. I was 
deathly afraid of having to call somebody on the phone to ask them something as a child, like order a pizza. I don't know what, it was an irrational fear. I don't know what I thought. Uh, and, and so Not I irrational. Dialed, a lot of people have that. Yeah, dial the phone. And then I was so afraid yeah. of what that person was going to say. I'd hang up. And, and it took me, you know, but I guess in the, same to- in the same way, Michael, inch by inch, I got myself comfortable with my discomfort, right? So that I, right. I was able to actually say hello you know, and, and express what I needed. And it's, and, and I think so many ways that, I mean, what you shared about, about that experience, it is, it's a perfect metaphor for life. And, and so how, and probably by the time you got to where you could, even if it took you 15 minutes, probably had a big smile on your face. I know you, you smile a lot. Yeah. And it probably felt mm-hmm. real good. And, uh, and I think that's, yeah. and I think for our, for our audience, anybody who has some discomfort about what you consider maybe the ugly parts of, of your life, you can still feel beautiful and you can still feel worthy and you can still feel loved and brave so so and, and smart, important, all of those things. And yeah, I just, I really, um, I really respect you for sharing that story because it is, yeah. and and I think in in that too, you didn't really judge how you felt about that. You didn't you didn't beat yourself up that you know, I'm supposed to be this manly man. What's wrong with me? No, you know you examined that. And you said you know that's that's not so much for me, and that's okay. And that's mm-hmm. that's okay. It is. Right? It's, everything is okay. You're you're yourself. Mm-hmm. It's it's we forget that uh, society. We, we, what we're caught in is that society has these rules or standards or in ways that you should behave. Uh, and uh, I always simply say, well, down to the four things, love, kindness, empathy, and compassion. If you can treat yourself that way and you can treat others that way, then you're going to get through anything and everything uh, without, without uh, a problem. And the thing that came to mind when you were um, talking about feelings is that we have to, I'm always urging people to, pay close attention to how they feel. Develop a really, really high sensitivity to how you feel, to how when you encounter people, when you're in a situation, when you're in a room full of people, uh, get the sense how when you look at people or you come across strangers, how you feel. Uh, mm-hmm. And because your own, your own feelings, your, uh, they're deeply conne- connected to your intuition. And you can... If you're resonating love, if you're resonating compassion and, and, and gratitude and uh, empathy and compassion and kindness, if this is what you're resonating, uh, you will attract the same. The world is a mirror to your frequency. The world is a mirror to your frequency. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if you pay attention to your frequency, which is how you feel, your state of being, whether you're, when you walk into a room, uh, I've walked into biker bars as the only African-American for miles and not been afraid because I resonate positivity. Mm-hmm. I never attracted. I never, I never felt fearful, fearful about it. I just walked in, you know, uh, ordered a drink at the bar uh, for whatever reason I was there. Um, places that I had to play as a DJ. Sometimes they were 
you know, different than any place that I'd been. However, I can confidently walk in and say, this is what I do. I'm this, I'm this guy. I, had, I used to have clients that I'd meet for the first time uh, in my business. And people who I connected with over the phone and then business with over the phone, but I'd never met them. And I'm African-American. Anybody can see that from the picture on the website or whatever. Um, and I, but I was doing, doing business with uh, older white people. And I would have them it – was, it was really interesting because at the time I was working in an office with some other people, and we had some administrative assistants that were out front. And they used to love it. When a, uh, one of my clients, I'd, I'd let them know that a client was going to come, what their name was, so they could call them by name. And they used to love just sitting there and watching the look on the client's face when I walked out the door <laughs> and I met them for the first time. And they said, we get such a kick out of that because you should see the look on their faces when <laughs> they, would, they would all of a sudden go deer in the headlights blank when they realized that they were, they were doing business with an African-American gentleman. Something really? they've never done in their life. I'm serious. I'm wow. not kidding. And my, what I did, it never fazed me because I knew that that was going to be the case. I would walk out. I would walk out the door. And they would see the initial deer in the headlights. I would, it would just be a, a, a split second of a deer in the headlights. <laughs> and I would come up to them in a very energetic very highly confident, confident manner, and I would say, hey, whatever their first name is, I call them by, hey, so, hey, Bob, whatever, uh, hey, Gene, whatever, and I'd, I'd, I'd stick my hand out, and I'd give them a nice, firm handshake, say, let's go in the office. I got something I want to tell you, and mm. it just, that was it, you know. For me, it was never, it was never fear, and uh, I, I go to resorts all over the world where I'm the only African-American in the entire resort. In the entire resort, I'm the only one. And there's people from all over the world, this and that, you know. And I'm like, hey, I love being – my mother taught me how to be um, the anomaly in the room. She taught me how. She said, look, just consider yourself an ambassador for your race and how people connect with you. They have their own preconceived ideas and, and notions and perceptions of how it would be to connect with somebody who's African-American based on what they've seen on TV what they read in magazines, blah, 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 seen in the movies. And I walk in and I, I just blow them off, blow them away, not blow them off, blow them away because I'm just, I'm incredibly confident. And I mm -hmm. really don't care what they think of me. It doesn't matter. What they think of me doesn't matter. I operate from love and kindness and empathy and compassion. However, I don't, I don't do it because I'm looking for their approval. I don't need their approval. I'm very solid with who I am. And this is what we need to do in this world is become very solid with who we are. And that takes a little bit of work. It's not something that happens overnight. You've got to ask yourself questions. You've got to pay attention to how you feel. You've got to ask yourself, am I loving myself when, I, when I'm making this, by making this decision? Is this thing I want to do resonating with self-love? Someone's asking me to go somewhere to do something. Is it something I have a good feeling about? Or am I only going because I don't want to feel like, you know, they're going to get all over me and make fun of me if I don't go? Forget that. You know, you've got to have the confidence to say no to things that 
don't make you feel initially, you feel it's, it's not a good thing for you to do. You know, if someone come up to me and say, hey, let's go rob a bank, I'm like, mm, I'm not going to rob a bank. You can go ahead, you know, make hay while the sun shines. But there are those very subtle things. There are those very subtle things, you know, that people, as, as young people, and even uh, kids that are in their teens, uh, will be, because they're seeking attention and approval from their friends, because they're not so confident with themselves. And the person will say, hey, let's go over here. There's this thing. And you know, they, they, let's go to this house party. And your mother said, you're not going to house parties. But you snuck out and, you, you know, they want you to sneak out and go to a house party. Well, I don't know. Maybe you got to rethink that whole paradigm of friendship when, when somebody who you're looking up for approval from is attempting to get you to go do something that really isn't resonating with you, right? So that's what I'm saying. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. we've talked now for a long period of time about this, and you're going to have to cut something out, but... Um, I hope that I hope our audience has kind of gotten an idea of what we're what our message was today about, uh, yeah, absolutely. about trusting what inspires you. Okay. Yeah, you can't. You know, you, as you said, Michael, you can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you feel about it. And and you hold true to to your mantra. And I'm going to repeat it again. I repeated it at the end of the last show. You know, I love you, and you can do anything. And I truly. Mm-hmm believe that for each one of you and for myself and, and for you, Michael, I really honor you. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I love you and you can do anything. And, uh, thank, <laughs> oh, thank you. you. I love you and you can do everything. <laughs> thank you. And uh, until right. next time, uh, yeah. thank you, Jesse. We love you too. Thank you for making this happen. All right. Take Appreciate care. It. Bye-bye.